power again, uh, and this I think brings us to talk about what we hope. I think this is going to be a nice segue into what we hope to do with forging plowshares. Um, uh, there was a, a wonderful. Uh, I didn't actually get to read the article. Uh, a friend of mine shared it on social media uh, this week. I, I looked at the title. You know, sometimes you can look at the title and kind of get a feel for what's in it. And that's the, my favorite reading. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just come out and say. But the title was really neat. It, it it talked about leadership and Christian leadership, and it or it may have just been about you know, leadership in general. I think there may have been a picture of a military uh, commander on it. Uh, but it said something about um, good leadership. Um, uh, uh, being more about being at the center of networks than being at the top of hierarchies, and um, that, uh, and that's I think Jesus um, doesn't really establish a hierarchy with his disciples, but he sort of brings them on as brothers and says, "Come with me," you know. Um, and you, so much of the the corruption we see, and and it, it's uh, it, it's it has a lot to do with with trying to use power for good uh, because we've we've sort of told ourselves this lie. Well, we can get this power, uh, which is inherently violent, and we can use it for good. Um, and then, of course, uh, it never works out that way. Uh, you always have it to always... end up doing ha- doing some harm to do the good. Right. The logic is that certainly just a little bit of evil so that good may abound. Uh, no, that's that, that's killing people for peace, the same logic. That logic infects everything. That, uh, and so to just, I, I've actually had Christians say that to me, that, oh, well, we, yeah, we have to do this evil thing to you because it, it'll be for the greater good. But that's not Christianity. That, that, that's something else. Right. And that was exactly, uh, I think, the same thing uh, was said about Jesus' crucifixion. Um, well, we, we may have to let this guy die in order for the Jewish people to survive. Um, now, uh, the the real Christian response to that is, I will not retaliate against you for the, for doing this. But let's not pretend for a moment that the writers of the gospel saw that as anything but the worst evil that happened. Um, and I, I grew up my whole life sort of being told, oh, well, Jesus died because he had to take your punishment from God. And when you read the gospels uh, appropriately, I think um, the gospel writers are saying, no, it was evil people that did this to him. And this was truly wrong and truly evil, and this should not have happened this way. Um, yeah, that's the uh, again the the two Christianities. Right. The Christianity that is Constantinian. If you look at the history of the development of atonement theory, uh, that you get an Anselmian doctrine of you know the whole idea that God's honor has been impugned and there has to be a payment, and that's all you know 1100 A.D. That has nothing to do with the New Testament. Uh, but it has everything to do with accommodating a Christianity that could no longer point at the emperor or the principalities and powers and equate that with evil. Powers, in some way, uh, became Christian. And so 
we have been co-opted by that understanding, we have imagined there's such a thing as American Christians and German Christians, and that our nationalism can be fused uh, with our Christianity. And the sort of atonement theory that fits that is one that is inherently violent. That is, that God himself is angry and takes us out on, you know, he, he spends his violence on his son and gets over his anger problem, luckily for us. Mm-hmm. And now we can just go on like everything. Well, that's all, that, that's, that's just a misconstrual maybe of a few metaphors that are there in the New Testament, but I don't think Anselm, uh, he wasn't working out a New Testament understanding. He, he, in his entire project is, you know, with the proslogion and the monologion. He is doing philosophical argument, and when he comes to, you know, the why a God man, he's still doing a philosophical argument. There may be some scripture there in the background, but he's not doing an exegetical study. Certainly not. He's arguing, he's arguing from Roman law. I, I often wonder if Anselm would be aghast at how powerful he's become. <laughs> uh, because I, don't th- I think he's given us a metaphor that has become the reigning metaphor uh, in, for our doctrine of atonement. But it's one that fits nicely into a Constantinian Christianity because that's precisely what he faced. Uh, so if you want to be a, you know, a, a good Nazi Christian, uh, don't make your atonement anything about uh, this world, present tense, kingdom, and reality. And, I, and, and you know, uh, it, it's... It, it, for me, when in my... In my knowledge of history, when I, whenever I want to talk about evil, I mean, the first thing you run to is Nazis, <laughs> the Nazi Germany. I mean, we're always talking about World War II because um, the uh, uh, the uh, Holocaust and the things that happened in World War II were just such an just feel like such an ultimate embodiment of evil, and and certainly and it's terribly evil. But um, what I think this means, and one of the reasons it's going to be so, people are going to be so resistant to acknowledging uh, those problems with Anselm is that the practical upshot is we may have to take our American flags down from our Bible college uh, flagpoles too, or take them out of the front of the the, uh, uh, worship center at church. Uh, Because the empire, the emperor is, it's still in view there. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the you know maybe we do Constantine a disfavor here too, because Constantinianism is really describing a movement that is aggravated in the Protestant Reformation. They aligned themselves more with the state, mm-hmm. and you know the church-state relationship became integrated. In fact, uh, even more profoundly. Certainly Luther is a good example of this. Um, Luther turns to the German princes to uh, to save him from the Pope uh, when perhaps a more Christian, maybe a more truly Christian response would be, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and speak this truth and let the Pope go ahead and crucify me or burn me at the stake, which I'm not going to say that I'm, you know, I, I know that I'm ready to do myself. But, you know, uh, certainly 
returning to the state is what he did, and it worked. Uh, at some point in the future, we'll have to have a conversation about what we mean by works. Uh, but uh, it worked. But then that definitely sets up uh, German Lutheranism uh, for being confused by the 1930s about uh, which was which. And I fear that some, that that's, I don't want to say I fear, I'm fairly confident that that's also what we're dealing with here. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I think we ought to, um, because you and I have a tendency to, I, we're just such good conversation partners, I feel like. But, but uh, I, I, I think it would be um, helpful then to talk about, you know, what are the kinds of things we hope to do with forging plowshares, um, what is it we hope we hope to see is going to happen uh, the next year or so? Well, let me try to be concrete for a change. <laughs> uh, Do you ever so, get tired of people looking at you quizzically? <laughs> what you saying now? Is that word? Uh, so here we, we're we let me go through. I think there's about five aspects to it. We, we will just do the, the community here. We're doing a kind of uh, a house church in uh, the carpenter's house here. Um, and connected with that, then uh, tr- uh, putting together then the uh, Bible study, but also then having a the Plowshares Bible Institute. But you, of course, that's... Uh, uh, what? Maybe you didn't know this, but you're the main guy there. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's always fun to together, find that out. Uh, put, putting together an alternative, then college seminary education. I think the the work that that we've done uh, in colleges, the you know, uh, both I've worked 20 years in Japan. I worked here 10 years, and the traditional institution can very often hinder an education, a formal part of it. So what we mean by a biblical education is not simply online. We'll use, we'll use some of that. Uh, we use, you know, video and other things, but also a very personalized, just as we do life together here, so too the education will be one that's integrated into this community, either by uh, bringing people here or by going, you know, to, to wherever they may be, whether that is in person, which I would hope to do, or, uh, you know, uh, electronically, and to uh, work out then what I think is the equivalent of a, a seminary education through a completely accessible, open-to-anybody kind of way. So that's part one and two. Life together here at the house, uh, the biblical education. Uh, then the, the website is, maybe, uh, you know, I've never, uh, I, I see the website as a kind of uh, extension of our community that, in spite of you being in Atlanta and Frank, you know, being in Connecticut and, you know, various people spread out over the country, uh, we can still have a community, and the website then will be the center of that community. And so what
what we'll do on the website. It's unfolding, but at least we'll we'll do these podcasts. We'll have Kate Hagerman is is going. To, he's at Duke University. He's going to uh, do some uh, interviews of various people at Duke for us. Uh, we'll have the the blog that I started, and we'll continue. Frank is going to uh, he's uh, going to uh, do stuff on communion um, and. And then have uh, sort of like an, an ongoing magazine that as people want to contribute, there'll be places they can contribute and share. Uh, so that would be the website, is the, the blog, the podcast. Uh, one of the first podcasts that uh, outside of this one would be uh, John Potty, for example, is going to talk about Bernard Lonergan. I interviewed him. And so we'll have a kind of book talk. Uh, blog and also then, or, or rather podcast, and then hopefully have people. If you're reading something, you know, uh, have a place where you can we can have book reviews. So the the website is going to be uh, hopefully an extension, if we can do this, of a small community, uh, but broadened out uh, geographically so that a lot of people can engage in it. And so, too, with the education, you know, what happens usually in a college classroom, that's a very uh, limited kind of experience. And hopefully by putting these classes, making them available on a, uh, you know, uh, online and otherwise, that we can broaden out the impact that, that we've had. So there's the, the, the local, the, the website, the college, um, we're breaking ground here on a community garden that this is this may sound a little fake because um, I'm, I'm working at this and uh, hopefully we'll have a place where we got a big yard here at the the house and so we're going to put in a garden the other thing that we hope to do uh, is do some of our own publishing pins for plowshares um, so uh, make uh, work that you know, has has been done by me and others. Make it available. Make it available at cost or free uh, through some sort of uh, self-publishing format. You want to add anything there? No, I, I as yeah, I'm hearing a lot here. Um, I think um, what we're talking about is very different. It, 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 we've been talking about Christianity as a very different uh, type of life uh, over and against uh, what we take to be. Uh, life in the world, um, and it sounds like what we're talking about here is a way to do community and to learn together and to share um, knowledge and perspectives and, for that matter, education, um, again, in a very different way. Um, this is this is what I was thinking today when my preacher, uh, and when you said community garden, I jumped inside a little bit because um, our church has a farm on it. And uh, whenever someone asks our preacher, um, why do you have a farm on your church? And he, he just looks at him and says, why don't you have one on yours? And yeah. um, because uh, very much part one of the things we see is that doing peace uh, is not just doing peace with each other, but also doing peace in the earth, uh, trying to find ways that uh, of living that are sustainable. And, um, you know, that violence that we do is not just violence towards each other, violence towards God. 
but violence towards creation itself, uh, the exploitative um, um, mindset that we have in our what I call our bully economy is, um, I think, um, what my preacher said today, uh, I'll just mention him, it's John Wherewell. Uh, he said, um, you know, the, it, we can talk about doing justice, and here I'm going to substitute the word peace in there. And he was talking about doing things that are just doing, uh, seeking the right thing to be done, um, what I take to be New Testament justice, over and against um, retributive justice. But this is really more um, restorative justice. Um, uh, but... You know, we, it's really easy to talk about justice, and I think even in this Western uh, Christian uh, language, we're seeing people start to use the word justice. But you don't see it done very much because um, to really do it, it's going to require us uh, to change the structures that we're based on. Um, if, if we can't do justice if we're based on exploitative structures, um, that uh, these, the again, we can't do peace if we're assuming that uh, you have to do violence uh, to to live in this world. Um, so uh, I hear you talking about an alternative approach to getting to to being able to talk about a peaceable kingdom and to share knowledge. Uh, with people in a seminary-style uh, uh, environment uh, that is also uh, very Finkenwaldian, I suppose. Uh, I, I had a I had an image of the word New Finkenwald uh, in my head a minute ago. Uh, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think that uh, if you've ever studied, I, I worked in the British system, and it. Uh, I also have, in addition to a think involved, but also the kind of tutorial system that you get in Great Britain, uh, especially in, as you go, move into graduate work, but you could apply that all the way through. And that is that what, what an education amounts to, you go in and you talk to your, uh, you know, your advisor once or twice a week and you're reading and you're studying. We would, you know, so that that, personal relationship uh, is then it, it grows from that and so you know the reading the I think that uh, you know we'll put together some some coursework but I think the uh, the tutorial style and of course that's what Bonhoeffer was creating uh, in the especially after they went underground uh, you know Finkenwald was still legal if I remember right and then it was declared illegal but he didn't stop. He still continued to meet with the students uh, as he could on a, you know, and that's what I'm picturing is not perhaps a formal classroom. I, I wouldn't refuse to do that. But as we can, uh, the institutional sort of bricks and mortar education is weighed down then. It almost inevitably becomes a center of power mm -hmm. and people who seek, you know, people who want power end up running these places and the very nature of the Christian is 
seeped out, leaked out of the typical uh, institutional Bible education. I, there's nothing wrong with the word institution, but what I'm thinking here uh, is that it can be a kind of uh, mode of corruption. So hopefully, uh, I, I think that, that the kind of underground you know, emergency measure, uh, immediacy that Bonhoeffer faced is really what we face if we could get it, if we understand the powers that over are over and against us. Uh, once you understand that uh, th this is not something uh, that is going to create, you know, huge brick-and-mortar sorts of right. institutional structures because the very nature of it is community-centered and where people are and not drawing them out or taking them out of those communities, but building them, having them stay there and, and uh, be built into a community. Right. And that's, uh, I think, um, I, I think uh, very much uh, the experience that my wife and I have had in dealing with... Um, uh, last year, we we attempted to get involved with a fairly large church, and uh, one of the things we learned very quickly uh, we didn't last very long. Uh, one of the things we learned very quickly is that having that structure, they had a, a brand new building, um, and the structure itself became something that we were serving, and um, it was uh, everything was about maintaining that. Um, so much so that there was a political power system in place that if you didn't serve it, um, then you were a threat to it. And a lot of violence was done. And, and free, freeing ourselves from uh, that brick and mortar means that you're free, in, in my opinion, you're free to do the gospel and to talk about the gospel in ways that, uh, that those, who are, those who are dependent on those structures can't do. Maybe you need to talk about Vanjie a little bit and what she does because the very nature of what she does, uh, I, I don't, I just don't understand somebody who actually, uh, you know, works with the community that she works with. That seems to be counter to the very uh, purposes behind. Uh, you know, the typical large church or mega church. Well, you know, that's, that, yeah, that's, um, that's very much in view, um, when, when we talk about this, about what our experience of last year, uh, well, it's over a year now, um, and, and I think was very much, um, a very much part of the tension, uh, in going to that church in Idaho. Is that uh, my wife? Uh, because my wife's son, my uh, uh, my stepson is autistic, and uh, she is uh, has had to learn how to work with him, and to push him, and to help him. Uh, and uh, she's uh, done quite a bit of study. Um, her her masters in theology. The the um, the. Uh, work she did for her uh, thesis was on um, disability and the image of God, 
um, so her whole life has um, ended up having to be, and this is true for most moms uh, of special needs kids, and I think it's for fathers, but especially it seems to happen to moms, uh, that uh, their lives uh, get changed so drastically. In fact, so much so that it had a, has, uh, the typical life expectancy for a mother of a special needs kid is is much lower uh, than for um, a, a, a typical uh, a, a child, uh, just because it takes so much out. Um, uh, being that uh, being that constant, uh, I don't want to say fighter, um, but being that constant. Um, um, uh, advocate is the word I'm looking for. Uh, it means that she's got to, she's always got to find ways to uh, to to be helping him. What ended up happening is um, a ministry in uh, in North Georgia, a man whose grandchild uh, was born with severe uh, uh, mental uh, uh, handicap. Uh, was uh, had started a ministry called Pure Ministry, and the reference to pure um, was uh, that these are pure people, that these are people that God loves. They are pure people, and um, it was about trying to find ways to in, empower and enable churches to carry out ministries to people with uh, various disabilities. Um, and their families. So um, a person who has um, uh, imagined that that uh, the, a family uh, with a child, uh, the child you see coming into the store who's in a wheelchair, who's nonverbal, who's maybe their arms are are stuck in a, a certain position. Um, now, a, a child like that who cannot take care of himself, it, it may never be able to take care of himself right up until his, his death. Um, and so uh, this family doesn't necessarily get to go out and eat um, dinner every, uh, just any day of the week. Um, their whole lives become about how to take care of this child who will never take care of himself. So one of the things Pure Ministry did was they went to churches and taught them how to do respite nights where um, the you get 30 or 40 people from your church together and those families can bring their child. That child gets a chance to experience other people. There's activities that are set up for them. There's worship, but there's always there's also movies and snacks and crafts, whatever it is that uh, that that you want to do with these kids. And meanwhile, mom and dad can go to the store, or can go out to eat, or go see a movie, and just get a break. That happens one if that happens once a month. There is the kingdom doing peace in people's lives and coming up alongside of another human being uh, and saying, let's let's bear up under this cross together and let's 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 try to ease uh, ease what you're going through. Um, that's the kind of work that she's done. Now that's a very relational thing. That's not something that's that's done uh, through power and hierarchies. It's not big and flashy, and it's not something that 
particularly um, looks impressive on resume or, or on a or on one of those electronic signs, uh, billboard signs that churches like to put out. Um, this is, uh, I think, very much in in the spirit of Jean Vanier and um, and Henry Nouwen, um learning to come alongside of someone who is nonverbal. Um, that's the kind of that's a kind of of thing that you do that there is no immediate reciprocity. Um, that person's not going to be able to give you in a in a sort of uh, capitalistic exchange type of relationship. Okay. Instead, um, this is more like, and I think um, I think Vanier really talks about this quite a bit, or or Nowen does quite a bit. This is communion. Um, this uh, being together um, and just learning how to be present with people. Um, and to be completely honest with you, um, I've discovered that a lot of, we've discovered, uh, it's very been very discouraging, a lot of churches have just not been interested in doing it at all because um, these families, because uh, there is no reciprocity there. Uh-huh. These families are not gonna, are not going to be the ones who give a lot of money to a building campaign. Isn't that the test, though? I mean, that Christianity is always going to be perceived. True Christianity is always going to be perceived as impractical and unworkable. Therefore, we reshape it. But the community that uh, that you're talking about, uh, there's nothing to be gained by helping, uh, and this is precisely the test, I think, of whether what sort of Christianity we're practicing. Right. There's nothing to be gained except the kingdom of God, God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that's, that is where it's very important for us to say what we mean by the word work.